0: Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What did the ghost say to the bee? Hmm.
1: I don't know. What? Boo. Bee. <laughs> Booby. It's Spoop Hour. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Boobies talk about spoop.
1: <laughs> Spoopy. Spoobies. <laughs> Spoobies. Love it. That's what we're calling our fans from now on. <laughs> the bo- boo footed boobies. Oh my god. I remember when Spo- I was boobies. little and
0: I found out that blue footed boobies. boobies existed and I just lost it. Was a, it and was too funny. hilarious and it's still hilarious.
1: Anyway, this is not boob hour. This is spoop hour. But there
0: are boobs here. They're us. And my cat. No, wow. she's too elegant. She's not a boob. She's making biscuits. <laughs> We're a paranormal comedy podcast that's easily impressed by Kitty Biscuits. You can find us on the internet, probably, at Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour. Or you can email us stories, spoophour at gmail.com. Also, wish me a happy goddamn birthday, because when you're listening to this, tomorrow is my goddamn birthday. Today's not. Today is October 2nd.
1: Anyway. Right. No, when when they're listening to it, it will be your birthday No. It'll be oh, it'll, right, cuz the 10th is Wednesday. I'm assuming
0: they all listen oh. to it as soon as it drops. Yeah,
1: no, I just got <laughs> the numbers mixed up because I'm You're on good. vacation until the 8th, but the 8th is actually a weekday. Yes. Yes, There we yes. go. Anyway, anyway, Sasha's a punk ass. I'm a but, punk ass and I'm going on vacation. That's why we're recording on a Tuesday. Where are you going on
0: vacation, punk ass? None of your damn
1: business. It's no, I'm Disney just World. <laughs>
0: So direct your hate mail to spoopour at gmail.com, put attention sasha okay, in the listen, subject line. You're going to Japan. I am, that's true. Anyway. Stories. We hate each other now. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We love each other deeply. We yeah. don't
1: usually record on, on Tuesdays, Tuesdays. So we're a little bit shows. We're a little bit thrown by this. Anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna tell each other some spooky stories today because It's almost my goddamn birthday. It's also almost your goddamn birthday. It almost
1: is my goddamn birthday. Also, it's October 2nd, which means it's spooky season.
0: It's fucking spooky season, bitches! So, we are doing ourselves a favor. Rather than trying to hastily slap out a properly researched episode, we're just going to take turns telling each other various spooky stories. We're going to rank them with ghosts. We'll do voices. I think voices would be fun. We'll analyze what we talked about. It's just going to be a little bit different because, again, we didn't have a ton of time to put together this episode, but we didn't want to leave you hanging because we love you. Also, if you would like a tiny Spoop Hour sticker, hit us up. We have many. And they're adorably tiny. How do we both know to say hit us up at the same time? It's never gonna top the time we both sang leggy, 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 spider, 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 spider. spider, spider. spider. That's like our most in sync moment ever before we like
1: merge bodies. Exactly. That's how you know that we like each other on Spoop Hour. Because we say things at the same time. We finish each other's pie. Yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh fuck, I left our snack upstairs. (laughs)
1: We'll be right back. (laughs)
0: Anyway, I got us a spook snack. Woohoo! I, I didn't spook forget snack. it. <gasps> and they're Reese's pumpkins. Hell yeah! Cuz it's spooky season, bitches. It's spooky season. Crinkle, crinkle, crinkle.
1: <laughs> this is ASMR with spook Hour.
0: Oh my god, it's so pumpkin <laughs> I'm just kidding. I haven't eaten any yet. I don't know. I think <laughs> this is probably a controversial opinion. I think the pumpkin is the best shape. Of Reese's. And I'm not just saying that as a purveyor of spook, I'm saying that as a lover of peanut butter chocolate candy. Yes,
1: I agree. But also, good job sidestepping me, being like, this is ASMR. (laughs) Did not want to go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that that's happened before and you've been like, stop. Yes, it's upsetting to edit. So
0: I'm saving myself.
1: Happy birthday, future Courtney. This is... No, but I do like the pumpkin... Well, the pumpkin shape and the ratio of peanut butter to chocolate. Yes.
0: It's like these and the Reese's eggs. Mm -hmm. That's the like platonic
1: ideal peanut butter chocolate candy. But what I like about the traditional Reese's
0: Mm -hmm.
1: are the little ridges. Yeah. I Like like, kind of popping them off.
0: Oh, see, I don't really like the ridges. Mm. I always eat those first so I can reward myself with the soft middle, Mm. which is why I like the pumpkins and the eggs so much is because they're all soft middle Mm -hmm. anyway while we eat our snack i actually have an update Hmm. about one of the things we talked about on the most recent episode that dropped today (laughs) (laughs) but shout out to andrew over at friday the 13th horror podcast
1: love your name
0: yeah, incredible! You're also gonna hear their promo at the end of this episode because he yeah. sent his over. So high five, Andrew kaploo! That was me high fiving you. I'm so sorry, it's so late. Kaploo, <laughs> kaploo. Andrew is a Michigander.
1: Yes, Michiganders, what's up?
0: And he knows who the Dog Man is. So I didn't make that shit up. He said he was dying during the Dog Man part because he was like, it was a big deal. Where I was growing, when he was growing up, because his local radio station Mm -hmm. played the Dogman song, like, constantly during the Halloween season. And apparently, yes, the whole thing is just that dude reading Dogman stories to music. What year was Dogman again?
1: Like, all the years. No, 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 but, like, when did it start? Because I asked my... Like, 1930s? Oh, God, okay, because I asked my dad, because he's a Michigander, like through and through like born and raised in Michigan Mm -hmm. and I was like do you know what the Michigan dog man is at dinner last night and he looked at me funny and he was like what are you talking about it's possible that it's just that specific area of Michigan Mm -hmm. okay but it's definitely like a thing because he he told me okay yeah and so I think it must be like some like some people regionally know what it is yeah I said that like the location was kind, like of in the county with Cadillac, Michigan. He goes, "Oh, that's pretty far from where I grew up." Yeah, and so I was that like, might be why. That might
0: be it, because where Andrew is, mm-hmm. again, his local radio station every year around Halloween yeah. would play that song. I so, think.
1: shout out to Andrew. Thank you for validating me. I think what I'm going to do is ask my grandma next and then my oh, dad's brothers. That. Yeah. Because they might just be cooler the, they, they than They might dad. know somebody from a different part of Michigan. Or they might just be cooler than my dad. Or
0: cooler than your dad. I he love seems my dad.
1: pretty cool. Yeah, he whenever. seems pretty cool. But he didn't know who the Michigan dog man is.
0: <laughs> anyway, thank you, Andrew. If you want some tiny Spoop Hour stickers, go ahead and tell me. Also, other Michiganders.
1: Do you want some uh, tiny Spoop <laughs> stickers? Do you want stickers? some tiny Spoop Hour stickers? <laughs> I feel like Let's that's, be, that's uh, <laughs> the most popular podcast in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Swiggy-swoody sweetie, sweetie, coming for that
0: Midwestern booty. <laughs> booty. <laughs> uh, but for real, do you want some Tiny Spoop stickers? Email us. You might be sitting or there DM thinking, us. they don't mean me when they say, do you want Tiny no. Spoop hour stickers? You're wrong. We mean especially you. And I'm going to write you a little note saying thank you, and I'll probably doodle you a picture. I'm really bad at drawing, so it'll be fun for everyone to try and figure out what I drew. It's going to be a good time. 33%
1: pulp. You guys are going to get a good drawing. I told Sasha about it. I I was too dumb and sealed
0: the envelope before showing it to her. But I'm excited. Anyway. Anyway, you want to start telling each other some stories? Or did anything spooky happen to you in In the the last 48 48. hours
1: that we Uh, haven't talked? I actually do have something. I have one spooky thing. It has to do with what I'm wearing today. (gasps) Spooky clothing. I walked into work today and ran into... The teacher whose classroom is next door to mine, we share a fake wall. Mm-hmm. She also went to the same college I did, except, like, ten years earlier. Nice. And she's also half Japanese. Aw. And her two kids are, they've, like, stolen my heart. I love them so much. But any, because they're also, like, she, she's held them before and, like, shown me and be like, look upon what your future children will look like. Because she and I are, like, just the same people ten years removed. Gotcha. Anyway. I walk, run into her in the hallway, and we're wearing exactly the same outfit: black blouse and burgundy, burgundy pants. pants. And then we're screaming, and we're like, "Ah, we need to get someone take a photo!" And so we walk in, we we walk down the hall, and all of a sudden, another classroom door opens, and out comes two more people, also wearing burgundy. And oh my god! And so, a, sorry, burgundy and black. And so Ingrid was wearing. A burgundy skirt with a black blouse and then Shit. Sophia was wearing a burgundy dress with a black sweater and we were all like what the fuck is happening so that oh was a spooky God. thing did that, you take a group picture oh we did we're, yeah it's it, on my teacher t- twitter okay cool so, yeah nice <laughs> if you want to see what I'm doing at work
0: absolutely miss- teaching our children no matching your coworkers? hell yeah did anything sp- <laughs> sp- spooky happen to you yes for one, literally the second we stopped recording our episode with the incredible no. Dr. Elisa. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> we actually recorded what will hopefully be the pilot episode of her new podcast, Fatal Friends. If not, I'm gonna cut this part. So if it's in, good news. Um anyway, we had just recorded, we'd had a very deep discussion about both Slenderman, the Creepy Pasta, and Slenderman, the Murder Case, again in the Midwest, and the video game in um, great detail. And Thanks, the video Sasha. Game. <laughs> Thanks, Sasha. Why do you do this to me? And we were talking about like kids and consuming media, and how much do you need to be concerned, and like what did we consume that we shouldn't have consumed as kids, and Slenderman and spookiness, and then my punk ass in a plan that I can only describe as not wanting to have humidity hair for work Monday morning decided, no, I need to take the trash out now at 830 at night so that I don't have humidity hair before work tomorrow because our trash comes on Mondays. So I go outside and our porch is kind of dark. We have a light. It's not super bright, but I'm like... Whatever, I'm just gonna zip around as soon as I get around this corner, there'll be lights, I'll be able to see the street lights. I'll be able to see people's houses lights, it'll be fine. It wasn't fine. It was so goddamn dark. I'm dragging this fucking trash can. Everything is wet and slippery, so I'm low- Because it's been raining, Mm -hmm. it
1: rained more in the D.C. area than it did in London or Seattle this year.
0: Crikey. I'm just kidding. That's not what you say in any of those (laughs) books. I'm traumatized. (laughs) So I'm dragging this trash can. It's wet. I'm taking very slow, deliberate steps. And the entire time I'm thinking, squish, that could have been a cotton mouth. Squish, that's a copperhead. Those are poisonous snakes that live near us or venomous snakes, whatever the fuck. I was traumatized.
1: And you're walking past a dark tree line. Yes, dark Slender tree man line to lives. the right,
0: dark houses to the left, because guess what? Our neighbor's patio lights do not scatter. They're real fucking dark. Yeah. So after what felt like 40 years, but was probably like seven minutes, I finally like make it up our hill. I like sprint back towards where the light is. I'm like hyperventilating because I'm like... You
1: were like <laughs> speed walking, dragging this trash can down the sidewalk because meanwhile I'm in the house bringing up her laptop and all this yeah. stuff. <laughs> Up to the main floor, and so I was like, oh, well, Courtney's going to be coming in through the front door, so let me open it and, like, unlock it for her. And so I'm just standing inside the house, looking out the window, waiting for her, and, like, looking at my watch, being like... <laughs> She's been out there She's a been while. out there
0: a while. Has she been murdered by the slender man? I need to look for her? And then all of a sudden... <laughs> yep, because as soon as I hit the sidewalk, I was like, there's lights, I'm going fucking inside. Also, with
1: the, with the trash can, like, thudding on the ground. So like, it's
0: like... And I'm just like... <laughs> Anyway, so that was the spooky thing that happened to me this wow. in the past forty-eight hours. I love it. Yeah, so I don't recommend taking our trash out at night.
1: On Monday morning, I actually got into a conversation with some of my coworkers about like the media that children consume and like misjudge or misunderstand mm-hmm. when their brains are still developing. And I was like, God, why didn't I? Talk Where, was this right? Where was this yesterday? <laughs> So that's another spooky thing. That is another spooky thing where yeah. like the same topic came up. I don't know. Children of media, man. Yeah. 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 Oh no. I remember what it was. Okay. The conversation was about a friend who, uh, previous, cause I said that we recorded a podcast about Slender man. He had a student who was on the spectrum uh, who was obsessed uh, with Slender man back uh, when he taught middle school. And I was like, We were talking about that because the young girl in the case, one of the girls who perpetrated the attempted murder, was developing schizophrenia Mm -hmm. and obsessed with Slenderman, so go listen to that episode of Fatal Friends when it drops. Pew, 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 pew. Find them on Twitter at At
0: FatalFriendsPod at at Twitter.com. Pew! That's her theme song. We wrote it for her. Every time it's a little bit different. All right. Well, are you ready to get into these Story stories? Time. Stories! So we are in our basement. We're wrapped in blankets. It's ideal time to tell stories because it's late at night and I'm going to take the trash out. Just kidding. No, I'm not. I'm never doing, doing it again. We should the
1: spooky lights and turn off the lights. No, it's okay. We don't have to have that much ambiance. Actually,
0: when you were telling me what your source for your stories was, I was like, oh, we can turn off all the lights and light a candle. And then I was like, no, we can't. That's upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: You can turn off the lights and light a candle while you listen to this episode.
0: Are you around a campfire? This is a great episode to play and light your campfire and, like, roast your marshmallows and shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go first Campsites of America, or campgrounds of America. Campgrounds of America. Campground, KOA. KOA, which we have in like every state in America. They're literally
0: everywhere. Thank I have you. stayed in probably most of them.
1: I, I have stayed watch. in none of them, but I have used one to dump out the septic tank of an RV.
0: Is that what you call your
1: butt? Yes. <laughs> 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 Nothing <laughs> spookier than my butt. <laughs>
0: All right, we have our episode title. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway,
1: Campgrounds of America is great because they had, like, a whole section about, like, spooky stories to tell around a campfire for kids that are, like... A little bit scary, or a little bit scarier for adults. You know, mm-hmm. not adults, but like bigger kids. Yeah. And then I also icebreakerideas.com. <gasps> Icebreaker ideas. That sounds great. Right in in the teaching world, they're now called groundings because apparently breaking the ice it's is scary, violent, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: groundings is sounds like you're in trouble though. I, I will I say,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, agree. I don't
0: like to camp. You all know this. We won't get into why, but. Just believe her. Just believe me. But KOAs, if you have to camp, they're pretty nice campers. Yeah,
1: I like like KOA, and I would go camp at a KOA. Yeah,
0: like if I had to camp, Mm -hmm. which I never have to
1: because I'm a grown-ass woman, but if I had to, I would stay in a KOA. And that's coming from me, a woman who likes to go camping without a tent. Yes. I would go stay at a KOA. And
0: that's coming from me, a woman currently wearing a blanket tied around my shoulders like Superman.
1: Except it's a Batman board.
0: Except it's a Batman. Oh my god, the reference was right there. This is why we don't record on Tuesdays. This is why we don't
1: record on Tuesdays. <laughs> Tell me a story. So the first story. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> this story is called The Lady with the Emerald Ring.
0: <gasps> a woman and
1: a color. I love it. A rich man's wife became deathly ill the night before Christmas in 1798. Is this when all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse? No. This Aww. is more sinister. <laughs> Damn it. So he the house was stirring, <laughs> and it killed the whole family. So he called for the doctor. By the time the doctor arrived, his wife had died, or so it seemed. <gasps> Her husband was so grief-stricken that he locked himself in his room and did not attend the funeral the following day. The servants of the house carried the rich woman's body to the vicar, who, in a drunken stupor, held the ceremony quickly. <laughs> I feel like he shouldn't be drunk, but okay. It's Christmas. <laughs> Even the bicker parties on Christmas. uh, The veil was drawn across her face, the stone lid lowered, and the iron grill locked. Just before the clergyman fell to sleep later that night, he remembered the beautiful emerald ring on the finger of the woman he had laid to rest. Oh, don't do it. Wanting the ring and thinking no one would find out, he went downstairs, unlocked the lid, Oh my God. opened it, Oh my God. and tried to pry off the ring. Oh my God. It would not budge. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe leave it be then. He ran and brought back a file to cut the ring off her finger. Mm. When that did not work... Don't do it. He severed her finger and pulled damn the ring it. off. You had one fucking job! As he left, he turned around to pick up the iron lid and screamed at the top of his lungs. He ran, dropped the ring and ran. The woman had awakened, was moaning, and held her severed finger towards him with an evil smile on her face. Wearing nothing but her fine silk dress, the woman walked back to her home, knocked on the door, and rang the bell, but to no avail. Mm. The servants had all gone to sleep, for it was late on Christmas. She lifted a heavy stone, threw it at her husband's window, and waited. He came to the window with a sorrowful look on his face. Suddenly, to her surprise, he yelled, "'Go away! (gasps) Why must you torture me so? Don't you know my wife has just died? Let me mourn and do not bother me again!' With this, he shut the window. Uh Uh-oh. He did not realize it was his wife who had thrown the rock at the window. Did she throw her finger next? She repeated her actions, again throwing a rock at the window. He opened the window again, and she yelled to him, I am no one but your so-called dead wife. Now come down here and open this door unless you'd like me to die a second time on our doorstep.
0: (laughs) I'm just reminded of the scene in The Princess Bride where they go to see Max, the Mm -hmm. medicine man. And his wife is like, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife, but after what you just did, I'm not even sure I want to be fat anymore. Right?
1: He <laughs> says, You are a ghost then, he said to her. She said, No, for ghosts don't bleed. Now come That's down true, here, they don't. To come down here before I catch my own death of cold. The man with a joyous look on his face came down to meet his wife and took her inside where he called the doctor once more and told him the news. Meanwhile, the clergyman ran home and up the stairs. In a state of fright, he hanged himself from the rafters of his home. Jesus Christ! If he had only known that the woman had wanted to thank him. She had not died, after all, but gone into a coma. When he cut off her finger, the pain woke her up. I will say I don't think that's how you cure comas. (laughs) I'm not a doctor,
0: but I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Also, big bowl of yikes to all of that. Right. Yikes. But, yay! Yay! All right. All right. So, let's let's give this a scale. On a scale of one to five ghosts, with one ghost being like, that wasn't too scary, and five ghosts being like, well, I peed my pants and it's time for a new podcasting couch. How many ghosts do you give it? Like, two. Yeah, I'd give yeah. it like a one and a half, two ghosts. Because, yeah. like, it's a little spooky with the finger cutting off yeah. and the evil smile and the,
1: the But ringing. it got better. But it got better because yeah. she's alive, so that's nice. All right, I've got another one. Cool. The next one is called The Piggyback Ride. (laughs) Waterphone. That's a really good waterphone impression. A married couple fought a great deal and finally ta- began talking about getting a divorce. Is this that episode of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction? Honestly, I kind of felt like this, and then there was another story that I decided to not read to you, but I'll show you later, that also felt like Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. However, the wife discovered that she was pregnant, and for the Oops. sake of the baby, they decided to give the marriage another try. Don't ever do Don't that. Don't ever do that. It's That's gonna fuck bad. your
0: kid up. It's gonna fuck you up. Don't do that. The boy was born...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, talk about getting fucked up your whole (laughs) weight. Oh, no. The boy was born and the family had a short period of tranquility. But before long, the old problems surfaced and the father and mother were fighting all the time.
0: Yeah, like real quick, you know when's not a great time to work on your marriage? When you're not sleeping
1: because there's a baby in the house. One night when the boy was about five years old, the couple put the boy to bed and then got into an enormous fight. In a fit of rage, the father put his hands around his wife's neck and choked the life out of her. <gasps> Motherfucker, see if they just split up, oh my god! Eventually, when he realized what he had done, he began to panic. He knew he had to get rid of the body if he wasn't going to get caught. Again, bad plan. All of is bad plans all around.
0: Skip ahead three seconds if you don't want Broadchurch spoilers, but that's basically what happens in fucking
1: Broadchurch. Oh god he bundled the body into the boot of his car <laughs> how british <laughs> and blimey drove, uh, blimey that's a sticky wicket <laughs> and drove out of town to a swamp is this broad church <laughs> <laughs> are there swamps oh of course there are swamps in britain he took the body from the car but rigor mortis had started to set in and it was difficult to carry her oh that's a right stiffy
0: you got there
1: This episode is not going to be scary at all. (laughs) (laughs) Are any of them? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Ted the Caver. I tried to cut Ted the Caver to be scary. Continue. He slung his wife's body across his back as if he were giving her a piggyback ride and waded out into the foul-smelling swamp. He let her go and watched the stiff hands on the wretched face recede into the murky swamp water.
0: I don't think it's fair to call the woman you just killed as having a wretched face. Right. That seems like a dick move.
1: But also also is killing your wife. Yeah. So... The man went home and got in the shower to clean up, but he couldn't get rid of the foul stench of the swamp. Mm. The smell made him sick to his stomach. No matter how hard he scrubbed or how often he showered, he could not get rid of the smell. Mm. It followed him wherever he went. Good. As the days passed, the boy became anxious for his mother and asked all kinds of questions. The father told the boy his mother had gone to stay with relatives. But the smell remained. The man began to ignore it as much as he could. One day, the man noticed his son was looking at him in a strange way. Uh Uh-oh. Every time he approached his son, he recoiled in horror and would not let him touch him. Uh Uh-oh. One day, as he walked into his child's room, he found his son playing on the floor. Son, there seems to be something bothering you. Is there something you want to say to me? Fuck right off, mate. (laughs) Yes, father. He asks, is it about your mother? He says yes. Well, what is it? Why is mommy's face so pale? (laughs) What do you mean? No. Why do you give her a piggyback ride every day? Ah the end. Oh my god. Alright, so on a
0: scale of one ghost to five ghosts, how many ghosts do you give? Three. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. I would say three bordering on three point two five ghosts. Yeah.
1: That was a good one. Yeah. Ugh. Alright, I've got one Ugh. more before we switch. Cool. Alright, this one is called the fifty cent piece. There's Oh, this- I think I know this one. Sorry, continue. There is a story told in Troy and Albany about a couple returning home from a trip to New England. Okay, maybe I don't. (laughs) They were driving home in a carriage and were somewhere near Spiegeltown when the light (laughs) failed and they knew that they would have to seek shelter for the night. The husband spied a light through the trees and turned their horse into a small lane leading up a hill. A pleasant little house stood at the crest and an old man and his wife met the couple at the door. Hello. Hello. They were in night clothes and were obviously about to turn in, but they welcomed the travelers and offered them a room. eye. The old woman bustled about making tea and offering fa- freshly baked cakes. Oh, you want us go, love? I'm just going to keep doing yes. voices. Then the travelers were shown to their room. The husband wanted to pay the old couple for their lodgings, but the old lady shook her head and the old man refused any payment for such a small service to their fellow New Yorkers. Oh, that's very nice. The travelers awoke early and tiptoed out of the house, leaving a shiny fifty cent coin in the center of the table where the old couple could not miss it. Aww. The husband hitched up the horse and they went a few miles before they broke their fast at a little restaurant in Spiegeltown. The husband mentioned the nice old couple to the owner of the restaurant and the man turned pale. Where did you say that house was? he asked. The husband described the location in detail. You must be mistaken, said the restaurant owner. That house was destroyed three years ago by a fire that killed the Brown family. There
0: hasn't been a a house house there in three
1: years. years. (laughs) I don't believe it, the husband said flatly. Mr. and Mrs. Brown were alive and well last night. After debating for a few more minutes, the couple and the restaurant owner drove the carriage back out of the town towards the old Brown place. They turned into the lane, which was overgrown with weeds and climbed the hill to the crest. There they found a burned out shell of a house that had obviously not sheltered anyone for a long time. I must have missed the track, said the husband. And then his wife gave a terrified scream and fainted into his arms. Beep! As he caught her, the husband looked into the ruin and saw a burnt table with a shiny 50-cent piece lying in the center. Dun,
0: dun, dun. I don't know why my terrified shriek was a beep. I'm so sorry. Beep, beep, Beep. That's what I do when I'm scared. I beep. Beep, beep! I'm a bird. (laughs) All right, that was a good one on a scale of one ghost to five ghosts. Thanks. I think maybe a one and a half. I dips. like
1: one and a half. I like, more I like, like a, wholesome. Yeah, I like a good. There hasn't been a blank in blank years. Yeah. With I like, your, like,
0: old-timey voice. With my old-timey yeah.
1: voice. I, I, I like a good not... Especially since the last one upset you, so. Yeah,
0: that one was a bummer. This one I like because I love a friendly and homey ghost. Me too! Like, that, I find that that's so wholesome. Right? I thought it was the story about, like, the dude who stole the 50-cent piece off the dead woman's eyeball. Oh, God. I, that's in fucking scary stories to tell in the dark yeah, that no, ruined no, my goddamn life. No, that's what no, I thought no. it was gonna be. This was much better. Alright, so for mine, I'm going to probably do two, because mine are going to be a bit longer than Sasha's. Mm -hmm. And for my first one, I would like to use The Haunted Flute and Other Japanese Stories, a book that I have had for, no joke, 20 years. In fact, funny story about this book. One, it's copyright 1995. We got it in 1998. It was right before my family moved to Japan. We went to the the Green Valley Book Fair. Yeah, Green Valley Book Fair. We went to the Green Valley Book Fair because we had friends who lived in Winchester. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, let's go to this book fair. And we saw this book, and this was the first thing I bought to prepare myself to move to Japan because Mm -hmm. I was, you know, at the time, eight. And I was like, I don't know shit about this country. I'll buy this book, and this will make me feel better about it. And it did. The Haunted Flute. There once lived in Yido a kind man whose wife was gentle and loving. They had one child, a daughter, whom they called Oyone, which means rice in the ear. Each of them loved this child more than life, and the child grew up to be a lovely young girl, as straight and slender as the green bamboo. We're gonna cut some time. Mom dies. Sorry. Uh, Time passed. Man attends to business. He gets married again. He stops caring for the mom's grave, but the daughter keeps it up. The new bride sucks. She's mean to Oyone. She hates her. She's jealous to her. She's nasty and cruel all the time to her. Like your typical evil stepmother. Yeah, she's your standard wicked stepmother. Now, cut back in. After some time, Oyone's father was called away on business to the distant city of Kyoto. Kyoto. From Yedo, which now that I'm reading it may be Edo, I don't know. Yeah. It was many days' journey on foot or horseback. The evening before his departure, which was said to be very early in the morning, he called Oyone to him and said, "'Come here, my dear little daughter.' So Oyone went and knelt before him. "'What gift shall I bring you home from Kyoto?' he said. She hung her head and did not answer. "'Answer then, little one,' he insisted. "'Shall it be a golden fan or a roll of silk?' "'or a new obi of red brocade?' "'Oyone burst into bitter tears, "'and her father took her upon his knees to soothe her. "'But she hid her face with her sleeves "'and cried as if her heart would break. "'O oh, father, father,' she said, "'do not go away, do not go away.' "'But, my sweet, I must,' he answered, "'and soon I shall be back. "'So soon it will scarcely seem that I am gone, "'when I shall be here again with fair gifts in my hand. "'Father, take me with you,' she said.' Alas, what a great journey for a little girl. Will you walk on your feet, my little pilgrim, or mount a pack horse? How would you fare in the inns of Kyoto? No, my dear, stay. It is but for a short time, and your kind mother will be with you. Again, it's a stepmother. I don't know why Dad said that. <laughs> she shuddered in his arms. Father, if you go, you will never see me again. Waterfall. Hmm... <laughs> Then the father felt a sudden chill about his heart, but he would not listen. Mm. Mm. "'What, must he, a grown man, be swayed by a child's fancies?' He put Oyone gently down, and she slipped away as silently as a shadow. In the morning she came to him before sunrise. In her hand was a little flute made of bamboo and smoothly polished. "'I made it myself,' she said, "'from a bamboo in the grove that is behind our garden. "'I made it for you.' As you cannot take me with you, take the little flute, honorable father. Play on it sometimes, and think of me. Then she wrapped the flute in a scarf of white silk lined with scarlet, and wound a scarlet cord around it. She gave it to her father, who put it in his kimono sleeve. After this, he departed, taking the road to Kyoto. As he went, he looked back three times and saw his child standing at the gate, watching him. Then the road turned, and he saw no more. So basically, he goes to Kyoto, he's having a blast, he kind of forgets about, like, going home and whatever. Two months go by, then three months, so he's kind of a crappy parent himself. And then he's digging through his shit to find something to wear, and he comes across the bamboo flute. He unwrapped it from its red and white scarf, and as he did so, he felt strangely cold with an icy chill that crept about his heart. Hmm. Like one in a dream, he put the flute to his lips— and there came from it a long drawn out wail. He dropped the flute hastily upon the floor. He clapped his hands for a servant and told him he would not go out that night. He was not well. He wished to be alone. After a long time, he reached out his hand for the flute. Again that long, melancholy cry. He shook from head to foot, but he blew into the flute. Come back to Yedo! Come back to Yedo! Father! Father! The quavering childish voice rose to a shriek. "'and then was silent. "'A horrible foreboding now took hold of the man. "'He rushed from the house and from the city "'and journeyed day and night, denying himself sleep and food. "'So pale was he and wild "'that the people he met deemed him a madman "'and fled from him. "'At last he came to his journey's end, "'travel-stained from head to heel, "'with bleeding feet and half-dead from weariness. "'His wife met him at the gate. "'He said, "'Where is my child?' "The, "'The child?' she answered." "'I, the child, my child, where is she?' he cried in agony. The woman laughed. "'Now, my lord, how should I know? "'She is inside studying, or she is in the garden, "'or she is asleep, or perhaps she has gone out with her playmates, "'or—' "'Enough, no more of this,' he said. "'Come, where is my child?' Then she was afraid. "'In the bamboo grove,' she said, looking at him with wide eyes. "'There the man ran, and he looked for Oyone among the green stems of the bamboos.' but he did not find her. He called, Yone, Yone, and again, Yone. But he got no answer. Only the wind sighed in the dry bamboo leaves. Then he felt in his sleeve and brought out the little flute. Very tenderly, he put it to his lips. There was a faint sighing sound. Then a voice spoke, thin and pitiful. Father, dear father, my wicked stepmother killed me. Three months ago, she killed me. She buried me in the clearing of the bamboo grove. You may find my bones. As for me, you will never see me again. You will never see me again. And we'll just go ahead and have that be the end, because the next part is weird.
1: Mm. Not that weird.
0: He kills ooh. the wife. He keeps the flute. He wanders around. That's so. Ooh, that's so sad. I know. It's Dang. a bummer. Yeah. Dang. Japan goes dark, y'all. Yeah. Like when Japan goes dark, it's fucking dark. <laughs> Full dark, no stars. All right. So on a scale of one to five, ghosts. I am uncomfortable. Well, I'm a three. Three. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. That, that one creeped me out pretty bad. So, like, yeah. opening the book with that one was a bold choice because eight-year-old Courtney was like, I don't care for this shit at all. This is the country I'm moving to. <laughs> I don't like this at all. And true enough, Japan was a spooky, spooky place. All right. So, first, this is the picture. Ooh, spooky. She looks cold. She does.
1: She looks like a cold lady. And Podcasts are not a visual medium.
0: I'll take a picture with my cell phone and put it on our Instagram.
1: Hmm. What them? At Spoop Hour. <laughs> <laughs> At Twitter.com.
0: <laughs> Once an old man and a young man left their village together and set off on a journey to a distant province. When they had finished their business, they returned their faces... Nope. They turned their faces homeward. They did not send their faces before <laughs> them. That's terrifying. Oh, God. <laughs> it was the start of the winter season, which everyone knows is an evil time for wayfarers. Now, as they journeyed, they became lost, and, being in a lonely part of the country, they wandered all day long and came upon no one to guide them. Near nightfall, they found themselves on the bank of a broad and swift-flowing river. There was no bridge and no ferry. Snowflakes began to fall upon the dark water of the river. "'How white! How white they are!' cried the young man. But the old man shivered. It was bitter cold, and they were in trouble. Tired out, the old man sat down on the ground." "'He drew his cloak around him "'and clasped his hand about his knees. "'The young man blew on his fingers to warm them. "'He went up the bank a little, "'and at last he found a small, deserted hut. "'It's not much,' said the young man, "'but any shelter is better than none on such a night.' "'So he carried his companion into the hut. "'They had no food and no fire, "'but there was a bundle of dried leaves in the corner. "'Here they lay down and covered themselves "'with their straw raincoats, "'and, in spite of the cold, "'they soon fell asleep.' About midnight, the young man was awakened by an icy chill on his cheek. The door of the hut stood wide open, and he could see the whirling snowstorm outside. It was not very dark. "'Curse the wind,' said the young man. "'It has blown open the door, and the snow has drifted in and covered my feet.' And he raised himself upon his elbow. Then he saw there was a woman in the hut. She knelt by his friend, the old man, and bent low over him until their faces almost met. Her face was white and beautiful. Her trailing garments were white." Her hair was white with the snow that had fallen upon it. Her hands were stretched over the man who slept, and bright icicles hung from her fingertips. Her breath came from her parted lips like white smoke. Soon she rose up very tall and slender. Snow fell from her in a shower as she moved. That was easy, she murmured, and came to the young man. Oh, God. Sinking down beside him, she took his hand in hers. If the young man was cold before, he was colder now. He grew numb from head to heel, it felt to him as if his very blood froze and his heart was a lump of ice that stood still in his chest a deathly sleep stole over him This is my death he thought can this be all thank the gods there is no pain but then the cold lady spoke It is only a boy she said a pretty boy she said stroking his hair I cannot kill him Listen she said the young man moaned you must never speak of me nor this night she said "'Not to father, nor mother, nor sister, nor brother, nor to wedded wife, nor to boy child, nor to to girl child, nor to sun, nor moon, nor water, fire, wind, rain, snow. "'Now swear it!' he swore it. "'Fire, wind, rain, snow,' he murmured, and fell into a deep sleep. "'When he awoke, it was high noon, and the warm sun was shining.' A kind countryman held him in his arms and made him drink from a steaming cup. Now, boy," said the countryman, "you should be fine. By the mercy of the gods, I came in the night. Though what brought me to this hut—a good three d out of my way. The gods alone know. I don't know why he's an old-timey newspaperman. These are the voices we do. You seemed tense, so I wanted to lighten it. Oh, I'm just,
1: I'm just focused. Okay.
0: Yeah. As for the good old man, your companion, it is a different matter. He is past help. "'Alack,' cried the young man, "'alack, for the snow and the storm "'and the bitter, bitter night, my friend is dead.' "'But he said no more then, "'nor did he when a day's journey "'brought him home to his own village, "'for he remembered his oath, "'and the cold lady's words were in his ear. "'You must never speak of me, nor this night, "'not to father, nor mother, nor sister, nor brother, "'nor to wedded wife, nor to boy child, "'nor nor to girl child, nor to sun, nor moon, "'nor water, fire, wind, rain, snow.' Some years later, this is where we'll cut a little bit because it's, it's quite a long story. Mm-hmm. He meets this lovely maiden. In, it's the summertime. She's very pretty. He's like, hey, what, what's your deal? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm traveling. I have a sister in this other city. My name is Oyuki. And the young man's like, oh, you're very pale. And she's like, I faint with the heat of this summer day. And she swoons. They fall in love. And she has seven kids over the years of their very happy marriage. Seven fucking kids. Dang. "'So many. They love each other. Everything is great, and sunshine and rainbows.'
1: "'However?'
0: "'One winter evening, Oyuki, after putting her children to bed and warmly covering them, sat with her husband in the next room. The charcoal glowed in the hibachi. All the doors of the house were closely shut, for it was bitter cold, and outside the first big flakes of a snowstorm had begun to fall. Oyuki stitched diligently at little bright-colored garments. A candle stood on the floor beside her, and its light fell upon her face.' Her husband looked at her, musing. "'Dear,' he said, "'when I look at you tonight, "'I am reminded of something strange "'that happened to me many years ago.' Uh "'Uh-oh.' "'Oyuki spoke not at all, but stitched diligently. "'It was an adventure, or a dream,' said her husband, "'and which it was, I cannot tell. "'Strange it was, as a dream, "'yet I think I did not sleep.' "'Oh, don't do it.' "'Oyuki went on sewing. "'Then, only then, I saw a woman, "'who was as beautiful as you are and as white.' Oh, don't do it. Indeed. She was very like you. Oh, don't do it. Tell me about her, said Oyuki, not lifting her eyes from her work. You're not supposed to. Why, said the man, I have never spoken of her to anybody. Yet he spoke then to his misfortune. He told of his journey and how he and his companion, being lost in a snowstorm, took shelter in a hut. He spoke of the white cold lady and of how his friend had died in her chilly embrace. "'Then she came to my side and leaned over me, "'but she said, "'It is only a boy, a pretty boy. "'I cannot kill him.' Mm -mm. "'How cold she was. "'How cold. "'Afterward, she made me swear. "'Before she left me, she made me swear. "'You must never speak of me, nor of this night,' O Yuki said. "'Not to father, nor mother, nor brother, nor sister, "'nor to wedded wife, nor to boy child, nor to girl child, "'nor to sun, nor moon, nor water, fire, wind, rain, snow.' All this you swore to me, my husband. Yes, to me. And after all these years, you have broken your oath. Unkind, unfaithful, untrue. What? But it's been so many years. She folded her work and laid it aside. He broke the one rule of the fight one club, Sasha. one rule of
1: fight club.
0: Then she went to where the children were and bent her face over each in turn. Oh my
1: god, you're going to destroy the whole thing?
0: The eldest murmured, cold, cold. So she drew up the quilt over his shoulder. The youngest cried, mother, and threw out his little arms. She said, I have grown too cold to weep any more. With that she came back to her husband. Farewell, she said. Even now I cannot kill you for my little children's sakes. Guard them well. The man lifted up his eyes and saw her. Her face was white and beautiful. Her trailing garments were white. Her hair was white as if snow had fallen upon it. Her breath came from her parted lips like white smoke. Farewell, farewell, she cried, and her voice grew thin and chilled like a piercing winter wind. Her form grew vague as a snow wreath or a white, vaporous cloud. For an instant, it hung in the air. Then it rose up through the smoke hole in the ceiling and was seen no more. Wow. One to five ghosts. How many ghosts? Two. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. He had one fucking rule. Wouldn't have been scary at all if he had just followed his one fucking one rule. One fucking rule. But also, it seems a little
1: unfair that he can't tell his wedded wife when you're his wedded wife. Right. Like That seems like a trap. Like, you know, she she knows the story because she was there. Yeah, she was there. She's like, bitch, I know.
0: And also, she was like, tell me about this woman. Oh, you know what this woman was like. It's you. Right? She was goading him. Hmm. Two ghosts. Two ghosts.
1: <laughs> all right. Tell me I've, I've got two more. One is a classic and one is a spook. Scary, spooky, Spooky scary scary.
0: scary skeleton.
1: (laughs) It's the slam poetry
0: version of
1: Dracula likes to suck blood.
0: at your local slam poetry venues coming up that's gonna be so fucking rad i'll be in the background snapping while sasha does dracula in parentheses (laughs) likes to suck blood blood. (laughs) we need to laugh sometimes 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 these stories are dark
1: a little bit dark (laughs) so this story is called the golden hand ah classic classic This is like my mom's favorite campfire story. He never paid much attention to
0: the neighbors living on his city block. Sorry to interrupt already, but Sasha did this cute little, like, spooky
1: shoulder thing and then, like, a creepy golem hand. It was great. (laughs) Until the day the pretty middle-aged widow moved in two doors down from him. Keep it in your pants, loser! She was plump and dark with sparkling eyes as she always wore dark gloves on her hands, even indoors. Up until that point, it sounded like me. You don't wear dark gloves? <laughs> I don't wear dark gloves. She's not wearing dark I'm, gloves right now.
0: I'm completely naked right now. Except for your Batman cape. Except for my cape. Batman cape. <laughs> like the day God made me. <laughs>
1: I have so many questions for your mom. <laughs> 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 Email them to Spoop Forward them to me forward me. them to my mom. <laughs> um, so he went out of his way to meet her, and often they quote-unquote bumped into each other on okay. the street and stood talking. Don't do that. That's weird. One day, she brushed the hair back from her forehead, and he caught a glimpse of gold under the glove on her right arm. Ooh, bitch is King Midas. When he asked her about it, she grinned coquet- coquettishly oh. and told him that she had lost one hand a few years back and now wore a golden hand in its place. Spoiler alert, she's Jamie Lannister. <laughs> that was a hilarious Game of Thrones joke to a person who has never watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> in that moment, a terrible lust woke in his heart. Gross! Not to possess the lady herself, but to possess the solid gold hand that she wore under her long black gloves. Somehow worse! He courted the widow with every stratagem known to him. Mm-hmm. Flowers, mm-hmm. trips to the theater, mm-hmm. gifts, mm-hmm. compliments... Mm. Mm. and he eventually won her heart within Mm. a month (laughs) do you have to poop
0: yes (laughs) i have to poop out of rage
1: (laughs) i'm mad at this asshole for being nice to the nice widow just to get her hand take a rage dumpy we've all been there (laughs) we've all been there (laughs) and and eventually he won her heart Within the next month, they were standing in front of a minister, promising to love one another until death parted them. Within another month, he was a widower and had buried his ailing wife in the local cemetery without her golden hand. You dick. It had been so easy. A slow poison administered daily to resemble a wasting disease. No one, not his wife, not the family doctor, not their neighbors, suspected murder. And the night after the funeral, he slept with the golden hand under his pillow. Ew! What a
0: dick. I'm gonna karate chop him in the throat. With the golden hand. With
1: the golden hand so it hurts. It was a dark night. Clouds covered the moon, and the wind was whistling down the chimney and rattling the shutters of the townhouse. He was deeply asleep when the door to his room slammed open with a loud bang! and a wild wind whipped around the room, scattering papers and books and clothing and table coverings every which way. He sat up, startled by the sudden noise, and his pulse began to pound when he saw a greenish-white light bobbing slowly into the room. Before his eyes, the light slowly grew larger, taking on the shape of his dead wife. She was missing one arm. "'Where is my golden hand?' she moaned, her eyes, dark eyes blazing with red fire. "'Give me my golden hand!' He tried to speak, but his mouth was so dry with fear that he could only make soft gasping noises. The glowing phantom moved closer to him, her once lovely face twisted into a hideous green mask. You stole my life and you stole my hand. Give me back my golden hand, the dead wife howled. The noise rose higher and higher, and the phantom pulsed with a strident green light that smote his eyes, making them water. He cowered back against his pillows and the hard shape of the golden hand pressed against his back and then he felt the golden hand twitch underneath him as the mangled green phantom that had been his wife swooped down upon him, pressing his face against the pillow in a suffocating green cloud. He tried to scream, but it was cut off suddenly by a terrible pressure against his throat, cutting off his breath. The world went black. The next morning, when the housemaid came into the room with her master's morning cup of tea, she found him lying dead on the floor with the golden hand clutched around his throat. Good! Good!
0: Good job, golden hand, and only one finger was extended, oh, and it was
1: the bird. was extended. Fuck that
0: asshole. The version my mom told was actually different. Oh. A shifty undertaker. There's a dead person oh. who has a golden arm, and he's like, who's going to know the difference? So he takes the golden arm. Kind of like that,
1: the one with the emerald ring. Yeah. He's going to know.
0: And then he hears, you know, the, in that night, the doorknob rattles, and he hears, who stole my golden arm? Yeah. Who stole my golden arm? And then my mom would go, was it you? And grab someone. And then we'd all go, A-ha!
1: Be all scared, little Girl Scouts. Shout out to my mom for being a great storyteller. Right? <laughs> all right, and then I've got one last story. Hit me. Keeping with the hand. Hands. Theme. Keep your hands to yourself. Especially right. if they're made of gold. This one Uh-oh. is a classic that I think everyone knows. Tell me. So here we go. This is The Hook. Yes! Reports had been on the radio all day, though she hadn't paid much attention to them. Some crazy man had escaped from the state asylum. Always. They were calling him the hook man, since he had lost his right arm and had it replaced with a hook. He was a killer, and everyone in the region was warned to keep watch and report anything suspicious. See something, say something. <laughs> but this didn't interest her. She was more worried about what to wear on her date. Aww. After several cons- consultation calls with friends, she chose a blue outfit in the very latest style and was oh ready God, and waiting with a Batman cape. <laughs> Jesus God <laughs> <laughs> and was re- ready and waiting on the porch when her boyfriend came to pick her up in his car. They went to a drive-in movie with another couple, then dropped them off and went parking in the local lover's lane. Gonna neck, Gonna neck. Mm. The blue outfit was a hit, and she cuddled closer (laughs) to her boyfriend as they kissed to the sound of romantic music on the radio. Then the announcer came on and repeated the warning she had heard that afternoon. An insane killer with a hook in place of his right hand was loose in the area. Suddenly, the dark, moonless night didn't seem so romantic to her. The lover's lane was secluded and off a beaten track. Mm -hmm. A perfect spot for a deranged madman to lurk, she thought, pushing her amorous boyfriend away. Maybe we should get out of here, she said. That hook man sounds dangerous. Aw, come on, babe. It's nothing.
0: (laughs) I stan your annoying boyfriend. I stan him. I love him.
1: Her boyfriend said, trying to get in another kiss. She... (laughs) And she pushed him away again. No, really, we're, out, we're all alone out here. I'm scared, she said. They argued for a moment, and then the car shook a bit, as if something or someone had touched it. Dun, dun, dun. She gave a shriek and said, Get, out of, get us out of here now! Oh, jeez, her boyfriend said in (laughs) disgust. But he turned the key and went roaring out of the lover's lane with the screeching of his tires. See, he's disappointed, but he still is respecting her wishes. Wagging my finger at nothing right now. Podcasts are not a visual medium, but we're wagging our finger at you. They drove home in stony silence, and when they pulled into her driveway, he refused to help her out of the car, because he's still a little bitch. Also, it's possible that he is, like, rock hard, and he's like, I don't want to stand up right now. I have a boner. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have a boner. <laughs> he was being so unreasonable, so she f- she fumed herself, so she opened the door indignantly and stepped into her driveway with her chin up and her lips set. Whirling around, she slammed the door as hard as she could, and then she screamed. Bah! Her boyfriend leapt out of the car and caught her in his arms. What is it? What's wrong? He shouted. And then he saw it. A bloody hook hung from the handle of the passenger side door. Dun, dun, dun. 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 That was great. Yes. I loved it. That's a classic. How many ghosts? When I was, forgot to give well, ghosts for the
0: other one. Because oh. I give the other one two ghosts because that woman did nothing wrong. That woman did nothing
1: wrong. <laughs> this one, when I was like a little kid and heard <laughs> Every variation of hook hand, mm-hmm. it was very frightening to me. Agreed. So I will give it a little Sasha five stars. I will five ghosts. Five ghosts. I will give it a nostalgia
0: four ghosts for this version. Uh-huh. Five ghosts for the version that I originally was. Heard. It the one where the hook comes through the top of the car. No, it's where she hears the scraping oh, and scraping. she goes out, and it's it, the boyfriend has been Her. hung three. Yeah, the tree. That's, that's the one that I.
1: That scared, five ghosts. That one is five ghosts. That one fucked me because up. that one scared me so bad when I was little. This one is like okay, four nostalgia ghosts because they got away. Because they, this this time they got away. Yeah. But the one where the boyfriend's hanging from the tree, they did not I get away. Didn't even want to touch that version of hook hand. Good call. I was like, thank Mm-mm. you. Don't I'm gonna have nightmares. Not, yeah, even with even, your not, not even hook hand. Not even not even once.
0: Not even not even with your hook hand once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe your hook hand at the end of like a like six and a half foot pole a la Grinch style. Yeah, I was just gonna say like the Grinch. Like the Grinch. I think at one point it's a 49
0: and a half foot pole, so I'd go too. so far as to say not even once with a 49, 49 and a half, and a half foot, foot pole with your hook hand attached to the end of it. Not even once. Not even once. If you see something, say see something. something.
1: Alright, we've got um, Courtney right. closing it out Closing with it out. a creepy pasta. A creepypasta. We like those on Spoop Hour, apparently. Um, and when mean, I say like, I mean... Thanks, we hate thanks, it. Thanks, we hate it.
0: <laughs> this one is a shout out to my significant other, who does not listen to this or any podcast, because he keeps being like, you should look up that creepypasta. And since he's not going to listen to this, I can give it my rating right up here. It's long as fuck. So if you want to read the whole thing, by all means do, but no going in. It is a very slow burn. I was expecting your standard creepypasta, which is like maybe a page, and this was like a full fucking experience. Am I disappointed already? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I've set expectations so low. So maybe it'll be good. Maybe. Will I sleep tonight? Probably. Yeah, because this is one of the ones where it's like, if you don't go into this circumstance, you're going to be fine. If you don't go into the circumstance where you marry a cold lady and then tell the cold lady about the cold lady, you're going to be fine. I heard you like cold ladies. So (laughs) So I put a cold lady in your cold lady. lady. Okay. Uh, so many possible episode titles. <laughs> so many. Alright, shout out to creepypasta.wikia.com which has the entire Ted the Caver blog series, because that's right, it was a fucking blog series, starting in 2001, an Angel Fire blog. Jeez. That's how old this shit is. Wow. Angel Fire. Only
1: 90s kids remember.
0: <laughs> it was posted by a spelunker named Ted, as the name would imply. It detailed his adventures into a local cave with his friend B. As it is a creepypasta, things get spooky once Ted and B come across a small opening in one of the passages that they chisel into a bigger opening over the course of like 14 million blog posts. Seriously, like the first three are just drilling. And not the fun drilling where Ted and B explore their burgeoning sexuality with each other in a cave where they're secluded. No, just the cave drilling kind. I'm so happy you truncated it
1: for us. Yes,
0: <laughs> I did. I'm gonna do as much what as I an can. editor. Thank you. It unfolds over a blog series into something like this: harp noise, harp noise, harp noise, harp noise. <laughs> After several weeks of drilling in an entry dated February 10th, 2001, B brings his dog into the cave. The dog is like, nope, fuck this shit. I don't care for it. And even though she's a very brave dog, there's a certain spot in the cave that she will not go past. They can't drag her past it. Nothing. She's just upset. And they're like, that's weird. Listen to the dog. (laughs) Guess what they don't do? They don't listen to the dog. Later in that same entry, this is directly from Ted the caver, B looked over at me and shook his head. I asked him what was up. He said that he swore he just heard a strange noise emanating from the hole. He said it sounded like rock sliding on rock. <laughs> so they're both just kind of like, well, that's weird. And they one kinda... of us passed gas in admit minute. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I swear I didn't fart. Just you wait till later in this story. You're going to wish you saved that joke. Oh, dang. <laughs> Then, in an entry from March 4th, 2001, Ted himself is drilling the rock, not his friend B, for whom I assume he has latent feelings. It would be a much better creepypasta if he did. (laughs) As it is, they hear a noise over the drilling, and he's like, maybe it's just, in his words, the drill bit doing its job on the cave, which also sounds like sex, let's be real. It does really sound like sex. It sounds like he has a boner, and he's working on that cave. But he says it's different. He stops drilling. He pulls out his earplug just in time to hear, quote, the most terrible scream I have ever heard trail off and echo into the darkness of the cavern. Oh. So he stares at the hole and he's like, uh. And he turns and he looks at B. B is like, what the fuck, bro? Mm -hmm. And they're both just like, um. And they look at the hole and they kind of expect to see, like, a monster because of how horrible the scream was. But there's nothing there. It's just darkness. So... Finally, after some more entries, they widen the narrow passage enough that they can get through it. They see stalactite-like crystals and what looks like hieroglyphics on a wall in this new part of the cave. After taking some photos, Ted tries to head back, but all of a sudden he hears a sound again from deep within the cave. It's the distinct sound of rock sliding on rock. So he freaks out. And he finally makes it out, only to discover that the photos he took of the crystal stalactites and the hieroglyphs didn't turn out. Um. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, they're, like, obsessed with this cave now, and they decide to bring along their friend Joe, who- Joe didn't do anything. It's gonna get worse for poor Joe. Poor Joe. Poor Joe. Ted bonks his head while in the cave and damages himself badly enough that he's like, oh, I can't go through the passage into the mystery cave. Joe, why don't you go? And Joe's like, okay, because nobody in this story has a sense of self-preservation. No. They call out to Joe after a while because he's been in there a long time. They can't hear him. And they try to call out to him. They don't hear anything. They try to call out to him. Nothing. Finally, they yell out, are you okay? And Joe says,
1: no, no,
0: no. Joe says he's not feeling well and he quickly makes his way back out, but when they try to ask him about what happened, he just keeps saying no. Did you see the crystals? No. Did you see the hieroglyphs? No. Did you hear us calling for you? No. After the incident, Ted continuously reaches out to Joe, calling him, emailing him, even stopping by his house. But to no avail, Joe won't take their calls. Nobody's heard from him. B reaches out to Joe's work, but as it turns out, Joe called in sick two weeks ago, and he hasn't been in since. So he's doing great. Despite all of this, Ted and B are like, you know what's a great idea? Going back in that fucking cave. But Ted this time is like, I'm going to bring this satellite phone that's connected to you, B. I don't know why B doesn't go through the cave himself. B never goes through the cave. It's fine. Um. And so he goes into the cave armed with his satellite phone. They test it. It works. So basically, it's just like a magic phone that connects him to B, despite how deep in the cave he goes. And then, from behind me, I heard the scraping noise. It was loud. It was close. It was coming from the large room I had just left. So he wheels around and stood up at the same time, and Crunch bonks his head once again. Unfortunately, because he's a caver, this means that he has now knocked his cave
1: light out of commission, and so it's dark why does he keep bonking his head? He's clumsy, I think. I don't know. He I feel like someone, someone is following him around and just, like, hitting him on the head, and he I, thinks he's running into something.
0: I mean, that'd be a better answer. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you. So, he starts to freak out because he's in the dark now, and he's trying to figure out what to do, and then he's like, oh, shit, I have a phone. I'm going to call B, and we're going to go forward. It's going to be great and then he remembers that he has some glow sticks in his pack because his flashlight's batteries are dead and he broke his flashbulb helmet so he's like i'm going to i'm going to try and call b and i'm going to light this glow stick and i'm for some reason i'm going to throw it the length of the cave which he does and then he picks up the phone and he connects it and he tries to contact b and nothing the usual beefs to indicate connection with the other phone were not there. Terrified, I pulled the phone from the jack and reinserted it. Again, silence. The line was dead. What could have happened? I just talked to B. So he starts freaking out, and he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try to get out of here and not think about that scary sound I just heard. Mm-hmm. He hits his head again. Good. Okay. <laughs> Should be Ted the head bunker, am I right, ladies? <laughs> And he tries to make his way back out of the passage. He sees one of the hieroglyphs glowing for just a moment. And he's like, well, that can't be a good sign. And then finally, he gets to the far end of the room he's initially in. And he says, something seemed different about it, but I couldn't tell what. When I got within a few feet, I could finally tell what had changed. It had moved. That was the sound I had heard. So he... He peeks over to this rock that has moved, and he sees there's a whole new entrance to a whole other cave in there. And he throws a glow stick down there, and it's just darkness. So he's like, "Mm, pass. And then he realizes why the phone is disconnected, because when the rock moved, it severed the wire. Mm. So it's not just a useless piece of plastic. So he starts crawling to get out to B and to safety. He calls to B and he's like, look, bro, something weird's happening. Start leaving the cave and I'll catch up with you. Don't worry about it. And so he realizes they had brought a video camera with them and he had taken it with him to try and get images of the crystals and the hieroglyphs. And then he realizes, oh shit, I left my camera behind. Yeah. But then he was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just gonna get the fuck out of here. So he... Tells B to start heading towards the surface now that he's tied himself to the security rope, and he, and B's like, are you okay? And he's like, no, something's in this cave with us. Yeah. So he's very sore. He's hit his head a whole bunch, and he's just moving as fast as he can. Just as I started into the squeeze, which is a narrow part of the passage that he refers to as a squeeze, I felt the wind in the passage increase, and with it, the most nauseating stench I have ever experienced. (laughs) It smelled like damp, rotting, rancid, putrid death. Ugh. I almost started to dry heave. I pulled my shirt up over my nose to shield me from the overpowering smell. At this point, B smelled it too. He yelled, What is that? And that would be a lot less, that would be a lot more scary and a lot less undercut by me giggling. But all I can think about is how I
1: told you to save your fart choke because oh. that's where it would have <laughs> what been. Is so, that? What
0: is that? I, I didn't was thinking fart. about
1: the delivery of like Bojack Horseman <laughs> instead of. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> what is that? What
0: are those? Those are my crocs. Hashtag famous vines. So they hear the scraping noise again and they're both like, oh fuck, it stinks and now there's scary sounds, let's get the fuck out. Ted gets pretty banged up. <laughs>
1: Did he hit his fucking head again? <laughs> probably, honest to God. He's probably like, I need to stop saying that I hit my head. I'm just banged up. I'm just banged
0: up. up and scraped up and bleeding. So, B is ahead. Ted is behind. They're tied together by a rope, which I think is a common like rock climbing yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And he hears B say rock so that he ducks under the ledge as several small rocks come falling so down past him. So he doesn't hit his head again. Yes. So that time he dodges. When he, he started pulling the rope from behind him in, when it was about half in... The rope hit a snag. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to crawl back and release it. So I'm just going to forget the rope and kind of like rock climb my way out of here. So he started to buckle his harness and like get all together. And he starts to hear a strange noise at his feet. His pulse quickens. He looks down. The rope was disappearing down into the darkness. Something was pulling the rope back into the cave. So they keep moving. B gets to the top of the last climb, and Ted is, like, hot on his heels, going to do whatever rock climbing shit he needs to to get out of the cave. And it was then that they notice the rope began to tighten from below. Um? I could feel the tension on the rope, but it was a steady tension, not like someone was climbing up. Either way, I wanted to be out of there as fast as possible. I clipped on and scrambled up the rope. I hadn't noticed, but B had kept on moving toward the entrance. I got up the last few feet in a hurry. So they both unclip, they make it out, and they hurry to cut the rope because it seems like now something is trying to climb up up because the rope is secured to a tree and they see the tree start to bend with the weight. Oh, no. And they're like, well, that's not great. So they frantically cut the rope. I noticed B was still laying there, wide-eyed, staring at the point the rope disappeared. I called to him, which seemed to break his trance. He got up and hurried away from the tree, the cave, the nightmare. Neither of us said a word all the way home. Finally, last entry. Ted is not doing great. He is dodging calls and visits from concerned friends and family. He's on long-term medical leave from work, and he's finally gotten some sort of sleep aid anti-anxiety thing Uh from a doctor to help him cope. Then come the fun symptoms. The fun symptoms. At first, I was hearing sounds in the house that had no explanation. Footsteps, shuffling noises, creaking doors, you know, the typical horror movie fare. Only the sounds were not distinct. It was, though, it was as though I wasn't sure I heard what I thought I heard. I would be eating or getting out of the shower and stop, thinking I heard something. But the sound would not repeat itself. In fact, if it weren't for the fact that it happened frequently, I couldn't be sure there were noises in the first place. Either way, I was scared. It was as though I had been caught in a spider web for the last week. So he's starting to hallucinate. He starts thinking he's seeing things, so he'd see something in the corner of his eye. Ted turns his head. There's nothing, nothing there. there. He started sleeping with the lights on. So he goes to the doctor and he's like, I can't relax. Please help me. He gets a prescription for the anxiety. And his back still hurts, and presumably his head does too, but the anti-anxiety meds. Because he's had like
1: 5,000 concussions. He's
0: just basically built himself a new head from bonking it so many times. And unfortunately, he's starting to hallucinate more. He keeps seeing things in the corner of his eye, but then it turns into him starting to see shapes and shadows. They would be outside my windows, usually at night. I still couldn't make out anything solid, so it was hard to pin down what I was seeing. Ted continues to be kind of a zombie and just like wander through life in a haze. Nothing can hold his interest—not TV shows, not work, not friends—except for researching caves and cave myths. In his research, he comes across a creature called a hodag, as in hodag. What is that thing over there? <laughs> hodag. Hodag. New phone. Hodag. <laughs> a creature that allegedly roams caves, and then he starts having horrible nightmares. Extremely lucid nightmares. No specific theme or recurring events, just plain terrifying. Sometimes I was in my house and someone was trying to get me, only I couldn't run because I had no legs. Other times I was in a vat and someone was pouring a syrup like liquid on me, filling the vat. I would wake in a panic. I would stay awake until exhaustion forced me to enter dreamland once again. A brutal routine. It continued for several days until it reached a climax on the sixth day, yesterday. My dreams seemed so real, I had a hard time telling if I was awake or not. He thinks he sees a dark figure in his hallway at this point, and then his phone rings, so he jumps out of his skin, he answers the phone, and it's B. And B says that he and Joe have agreed that they have to go back to the cave. Why? And Ted's like, that's a great fucking idea, B and Joe, let's do that. That sounds terrible. Ted posts an update in his one blog post saying, I'm just going to send out this update so nobody freaks out. I promise that if you haven't heard from me by now, you will very shortly. We're leaving for the cave in a couple hours. He packs his gun, a knife, a first aid kit, and a big old plan. They figure out they're going to go into the cave. They're going to figure out how they will get the camera that he left on that one previous trip. They have to find the end of the cave and then they'll achieve closure. He has to see where the cave goes and then... Where the sidewalk ends. Where does the sidewalk end, he says. I have to find it, otherwise I can't sleep anymore. And then he talks about why people do this to themselves. Why they jump out of airplanes. Mm -hmm. Why they crawl through tight passages to cave. What's the deal? Why do we do these things? And he says, as B is fond of saying, caving is the last opportunity for exploration for the person with modest means. And so he's like, we have to do it because it's there. Right. And then it closes with this message. For my family and friends who are reading this, I say, be at peace. I will conquer this cave. Then I will return and update this website immediately. I will include any photos we take in the cave today. And if you stop by the house, I will show you the video I have. I expect to be home later tonight or tomorrow at the latest. And he never updated again. Ted the Caver, one to five ghosts. I give it two ghosts because it could have been... Very, 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 very scary. Mm. I'm sure it was a lot scarier reading it in 2001, which I think is when my significant other read it. Yeah. Because then when you're in that, like, I don't know if this is real or not. I don't know if this is a real dude updating this thing and you get sucked in. Yeah. Reading it as I did, being like, oh my God, does this ever fucking end. Right. Not great, but it has the bones of being a very good creepypasta. Apparently they turned it into a movie. And apparently, the movie's not very good, but they did it, so that's Sounds important. like
1: every other movie turned made out of a creepypasta. True. So, yeah, I give it two Ghosts. Yeah. When you started talking about the cave and like going in and like wanting to discover like what it was, I was immediately thinking of Junji Ito's horror comic called The Enigma of Amig- Amigara Fault, mm-hmm. where it's, and maybe I'll tell you this story in, on another episode, but it's basically Is that the one with the holes in the cliff? The holes cliff? in the cliff. I know this one. You know this one. Yeah, I get it.
0: Where people are like, I don't know why, but I gotta go in that hole.
1: Yeah, so this one is like, I don't know why, I gotta gotta go go conquer this cliff. Yeah, or this cave. And this one is, I need to get in my hole. That hole was made for me. (laughs) A lot of these sound like sex. (laughs) <laughs> oh uh, god please my drill
0: is working that case. oh no <laughs> thanks for listening to spoop hour and listening to us have this very experimental story reading episode yeah hopefully you enjoyed it even though it's not what we usually do it's not typical
1: but hey guess what you listening on october 9th yeah. should totally wish courtney a happy birthday thank you tomorrow
0: on october 10th and you know what i want for my birthday you to take some tiny Spoop Hour stickers. So message us, SpoopHour at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at Spoop hour or Instagram at SpoopHour. We promise we won't use your address for I promise I won't murder witchcraft. you. I can't guarantee that I'm going to put a return address on it because, because I don't, don't want you to murder me. But I promise we will not murder you. Yeah. I'm not a murderer. Uh, If you've got spooky
1: stories that That are are spookier, that you think are five ghosts, email them to us at spoophour at gmail.com and for real if you want a sticker add your address real. to the end of your story. For real.
0: It can be a P.O. box. It can be I don't know something nearby. Or if you've care. got
1: like a spooky urban legend that you really want us to read on mm-hmm. air or something right? So that. It's the yeah. month of October if so we're like loosey goosey with our submissions. If you're like dang why did Sasha read that version of the hook? I want her to read this version of the hook. Or send th- me that version of the hook and I'll read it. Or
0: be like dang why'd they read Ted the Caver? <laughs> That's just a knockoff of this other creepy pasta where the dude doesn't bonk his head nearly as much. Send us that. It's October, so I'm going to say let's open up our listener submissions for the month of October so that it can be your urban legends that you like, your spooky stories told around a campfire that your you like. Your favorite
1: creepypastas. Yeah, just hit us up with anything. We will read them on the air. Try to scare us because none of these stories were five spooky ghosts. This ain't it, folks. This ain't it. But they were, they were good. They, they
0: were, were entertaining. Good. I had yeah. fun.
1: Next time we do a story episode, I'll bring that spooky th- collection that you bought for my classroom.
0: Yay! Maybe we'll do that for Halloween. Ooh. Sound off. Tell us, too, if you liked this episode or not. Tell us if you really enjoyed Sasha's recalcitrant 50s boyfriend because I sure did. Aw, jeez. Aw, man. I have a boner. <laughs>
1: It was so funny because I was about to be like, where's the snack? I thought you said we had a scoop snack. <laughs> I literally, I
0: was like, I'll leave it in my purse so that when I take my purse downstairs, I'll have it. And then I didn't take my purse downstairs because I looked at my purse and I thought, I don't need Please that. Please
1: keep in this transition. Oh, I'm going where you go. Oh, fuck.
0: Oh, fuck! <laughs> I forgot the snack. Also,
1: is our ceiling bending? What no, I think, I think that's in the no- shadow. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think, we it's always, to die? I think it always looks like that. Okay, I believe you. If we die, if we die. <laughs> you know to die by your side is a lovely way to die.
0: Aww.